You're listening to Strictly Business Podcast with Lindsay Williams. Let me read you the following. It says here, from the Hungarian forint to the Chilean pesos, currencies can be a valuable partner in managing investments. Currencies offer a source of diversification. The oil-heavy Norwegian krona, for instance, behaves differently to the industry-based Swiss franc, and they behave differently to the US dollar. When things are tough in energy-based Norway, things could be fine in pharmaceutical exporting Switzerland, and so the article goes on. The co-author of this article is Dr. Adrian Saville, Chief Executive of Canon Asset Managers and the other author not on the telephone with us today is Carl Ferreira, investment analyst at that same institution. What prompted this currency splurge that you sent me? Lindsay, it's the, it's the move in the rand over the course of this year. If you think that the rand started the, uh, the year at 14 to the dollar, uh, moves all the way into the 19s and then finds its way back into the 16s as we speak. Yes. Uh, this is a source of uh, exceptional volatility at best and risk at worst. Uh, if you get this uh, currency move wrong, you could quickly lose uh, a fair chunk of money if you get it right. There's windfall gains to be had. Um, so I think that's one aspect. The second is, although uh, it's written from the perspective of a South African observation, the commentary around the role and influence of currency is as relevant for uh, uh, any other portfolio uh, as it is for the South African portfolio. You might be a Japanese investor. You might be uh, a British investor. You are going to be influenced by currency wherever you invest uh, on this planet. And it's a, it's, a, it's a portfolio risk and a portfolio performance enabler. Uh, so it's a double-edged sword that very often is overlooked uh, in much investment commentary. Okay, we'll come to that in a second. The headline of your article that I quoted from in my introduction says the following, getting bang for your buck, using currency to reduce risk. Currencies are so volatile, actually you're, you're, you're taking on risk rather than reducing it. People would say, if you try and predict the rand dollar, the euro rand, the British pound against the rand or the rand against anything, then you'll end up in the graveyard of currency traders. So you were actually flying in the face of that theory. <laughs> um, I'm, I'm not sure I'm that bold uh, as to suggest that you can be trading currencies uh, and adding to portfolio performance. You know, maybe it's worth uh, just sketching two, uh, two subtexts to, uh, to this research piece. The first is that you're absolutely right. Currency can be a source of uh, uh, volatility and that volatility can uh, translate into portfolio risk and capital losses. And in the worst case scenario, uh, you land up being invested in the uh, Venezuelan Bolivar and you lose everything. Uh, so that's, you know, that's one aspect in recognizing that it's a source of risk, but it is also a source of return. And it can be a, a source of return if you can get the, the valuation right and your timing right. Uh, uh, and uh, it can also be a source, the second point, so that's the point one, is risk and return. Uh, point two is uh, even if you get the timing wrong, by virtue of the fact, and you made this uh, comment when you were uh, reading from the article early on, yes. is by virtue of the fact that the uh, Norwegian krona behaves differently to uh, the US dollar and the Japanese yen, you can hold essentially uh, uh, very different uh, businesses 
in very different currencies that are going to behave differently. And so you've got a different source of diversification. And the fact that you've got a different source of diversification is, is a very neat and effective way of generating long-term returns whilst getting the parts of the portfolio to work um, uh, uh, against each other when one part is stepping down, the other is stepping up. And that's what the currency diversification does. It allows you to dampen portfolio volatility if the big caveat is if you get it right. <laughs> if you get it right, of course. And it's very interesting because what you're saying is that essentially every single currency has a different personality and that personality mm. is based on the fundamentals of the country of that currency. So, for example, uh, South yeah, Africa yeah. is commodity-based uh, still uh, and also politically-based. So you've got to weigh up the uh, – even if the commodity prices are going up in, for example, iron ore, coal, platinum, gold, and so on, then you think to yourself, okay, well, that's good because that means money is going to be coming into the country because of the rise in the dollar price of the commodities I've just mentioned. On the other hand, you've got a political turmoil situation, which we've had for a number of years, and that sort of tempers the enthusiasm of the RAND investor. But then you've got something far easier, and that's the Norwegian krona, which is all to do with the oil price. And so it goes on. So you've got to assess the fundamentals, which I prefer to call the personalities, and take it from there. But how do you do it? Yeah, I like that term, the personalities. And uh, it, before coming to how do we do it, if you could, if you take uh, four commodity currencies, uh, the RAND, uh, the Brazilian Rayash, the Aussie dollar, and uh, the Russian ruble over the course of this year, uh, going into COVID-19 or the crisis of COVID-19 late March, they, they moved in lockstep. All four of those currencies lost in the order of 25% uh, against the US dollar. Some went from that 25% loss into much deeper declines. Uh, the Brazilian Riach losing as much as 45% against the US dollar. But from uh, late March, early April to now, the uh, Brazilian, Russian and South African currencies have moved more or less in line with each other whereas the uh, Aussie dollar has strengthened materially, telling us that you know, here are currencies that have the same backing or attribute uh, uh, commodity, but they behave differently. And in the case of the Aussie dollar, it's that they were able to, to manage the COVID crisis so much better than uh, these other three uh, economies and policy environments. So there's, there's, a, there's a lot to be said for uh, your term, the, the commodity, uh, the, sorry, the currency personalities. And distilling those personalities or distinguishing those personalities is, uh, is really at the heart of this research uh, piece that we've done. And we, we divide the attributes up into three broad characteristics. The first is uh, uh, to describe and assess the, the vulnerability of the currency. So how uh, vulnerable are you to circumstances outside of your hands, uh, including things like reliance on commodities? Yes. And then uh, uh, some aspects that make you vulnerable are in your hands, such as government debt, for instance. So that's the first silo uh, of the characteristic is to work out the, uh, uh, the, uh, the sensitivity or the vulnerability 
uh, and the dependency and reliance of the currency on uh, external circumstances. The second attribute is to then give attention to the uh, evidence that sits behind the ability of policymakers to deliver on performance. So what is your policy capability and capacity? That's silo two. Is that a simple way of saying you have your destiny in your own hands? For example, if South Africa, for yes. example, gets its policies correct and it becomes politically stable and uh, initiates policies that are promoting economic growth, then that's in our hands uh, as opposed to, for example, the result of the US election, which is out of our hands. Is that what you're saying for number two? Exactly. So, you know, number one, you can think of things that are out of your hands. For instance, uh, the oil price impacting the Norwegian krona, iron mm. ore prices impacting the Aussie dollar. Right. Uh, in silo two, it's things that are in your hands, such as uh, the uh, your, your fiscal discipline, uh, the independence of your reserve bank. That's a policy decision. Um, the structural growth that your economy, that's its resident in your economy, stronger economy, stronger growth economies are going to enjoy through in the fullness of time more buoyant uh, 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 currencies. The uh, uh, your track record on managing inflation. One of the surest ways to debase a currency is through domestic inflation, um, and and all of those are inside uh, of uh, your policy uh, gambit or, or, or mandate. And then the third is uh, even if you've got brilliant policy and you are relatively, uh, you have a degree of immunity to external shocks or uh, exogenous uh, uh, factors, things will still happen. And that's the third aspect that we measure. And it's the, the extent to which you have uh, Teflon coating or uh, armor that protects you from, from the unanticipated and what could unanticipated things be a shock election surprise, uh, a vote that uh, it gets you Brexiting, uh, COVID-19. You know, these things are overwhelmingly unanticipated. And when they shock the currency, currencies that are backed by r reserves uh, that have uh, low levels of external debt uh, and are able to afford the, afford the shock or, in more dramatic terms, afford the crisis, they're going to navigate the circumstance much better, uh, all else equal. So those are the three things that we're using to, to measure currencies. Okay. What I need to know now is how you apply this. Are you applying this to sophisticated investors with such big portfolios that they need to worry about four or five different currencies? Or are you applying this or putting this piece out because you're putting forward your view towards the way that you manage currencies? Because obviously, you're a large institution and have a lot of portfolios in a lot of different jurisdictions. Uh, again, the, the point of the article was just to say that we are managing your currency for you, or are you telling people that they should be managing their currency exposure? I think it's a bit of both. You know, hopefully it's a contribution to uh, uh, sort of collective knowledge and uh, investment wisdom that thinking about currencies, uh, don't start with valuation, first think about quality and, and the structure and stature of the currency, because uh, you might find a currency that looks uh, compellingly priced, for example, the RAND, <laughs> but it doesn't have uh, nearly the, the structure and stature uh, of a currency that perhaps is also attractively priced, 
but has got much more sort of fundamental strength. The Canadian dollar uh, is a good case in point. So both the RAND and the Canadian dollar are uh, look attractive relative to the US dollar. Um, and you can put that valuation up against the currency's statural strength. So we think that you know that's one way of uh, of thinking about this uh, this in informing your own investments. And of course, uh, probably uh, goes without saying that we're using this to uh, inform the the portfolio decisions that we're taking for our clients. Uh, so hopefully there's a contribution to collective knowledge. People can use this in uh, informing their investment decisions. Uh, and we're certainly using it to inform our portfolio decisions. And you know, we make the observation that uh, uh, in the note that if you uh, uh, look at uh, currencies from 30,000 feet, if you took a Martian view, uh, the Japanese yen uh, is really interesting, uh, the South Korean won, uh, is interesting. The Singaporean dollar uh, looks attractive, and uh, Israeli shekel uh, looks uh, attractive. So, you know, there are four currency arguments. And now, if you found a, an attractively priced currency, that means all else equal, the assets you buy in those currencies are going to be more attractively priced. And so, you can have a look at uh, Singtel um, or SoftBank. SoftBank, well, this has been uh, in, in the news for for the last uh, year or so because of uh, some injudicious investments. But anyway, I, I know exactly what you're saying. And also, just going back to a point that you made about the vulnerability of currencies, I'm just looking back to something. I mean, we, we think of the RAND and we think of the Argentinian currency and other emerging market currencies, and you think, well, these are the ones that people should attack. But if you go back to the 16th of September 1992, the British government was forced to withdraw the pound sterling from the European exchange rate mechanism because of the actions of speculators, notably George Soros, and the pound collapsed. And that's because they didn't have the reserves to bolster it. So it's not just emerging market currencies or so-called... Uh, currencies in the less developed world it's the developed world currencies as well that can have a, have a bit of a hit and i would uh, contend that the dollar is being debased at the moment it's not going to be a collapse but it's certainly on the slide so currencies are terribly terribly important agent yeah currencies are a fundamental part of the of, of your investment decision and uh, you know we we make the point uh, uh, again and again in our investment process that the single most important decision you will take uh, in your investment is asset allocation. And the asset allocation that you make is inside of a currency. So you can allocate to, uh, 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 let me give you a throwaway example. You could have bought the S&P 500, uh, which has done fantastically well, but you could have bought it in the Venezuelan Bolivar and that investment would be worth nothing. Yeah. So uh, before you actually get into the individual asset classes, U.S. equities, Japanese corporate bonds, whatever the case might be, you first have to decide what currency am I going to hold these assets in. And currency can be a very powerful long-term driver. The, the Swiss franc uh, is, is the hero of all time. Uh, it is structurally extraordinarily strong. It's got almost all of the attributes that you would want 
from a currency. So the key uh, with the Swiss franc is now that we've worked out that this is a strong currency, that this is a currency with, with, with stature and stability, can we find moments at which the, the pricing is attractive? And then you want to get in and stay in, to that, in, in that currency for a very, very long time. Buffett says the ideal holding period is forever. And there are other currencies that are going to be much more volatile, uh, South African rand, Argentinian peso, Canadian dollar, and their uh, timing is going to be that, that much more critical, but you know that you're not buying an, a, a currency with nearly the same strength uh, as the Swiss franc. Of course, the Canadian dollar goes in that direction, and the uh, Argentinian peso and South African rand uh, hang out in, uh, in, in, in their own club. Uh, so... You know, those are, uh, uh, I would argue that, um, you know, one of the points that we're trying to make is in thinking about investing, uh, one of the first considerations is the currency in which you invest before it's the asset class in which you hold that, uh, 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 in which you hold those investments. Mm. Fascinating stuff. Adrian, thank you very much for your time. That's Dr. Adrian Saville, the Chief Executive of Canon Asset Managers. The views and opinions expressed in these podcasts are those of Lindsay Williams and various contributors and do not reflect the policy, position or opinion of any other agency, organisation, employer or company associated with strictlybusinesspodcast.com. Assumptions made on the analyses are not reflective of the position of any other entity other than the speaker or the author. And since we are critically thinking human beings, these views are always subject to change, revision and rethinking at any time. Please do not hold us to them in perpetuity.